0: to catch you. That could go a little longer. I'd like that. <laughs> hey, y'all. Let's give uh, our, teach- our 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 uh, media team a hand today. <laughs> I want to introduce you to them. That sound okay? Yeah. They don't even know this is happening. This Uh So first in the back, we've got Joe Sarkar running the sound. So yes, Otwell, uh, who has to pay attention more than anybody here because he's wearing on this thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have got Collins back there, the in-between, setting everything up, making sure Joe and Wes have everything they need. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, if you're here today, if you're on the media team, when I say your name, please stand. If you're not too embarrassed. But we've got Annalise Collins. Ray John. This boy, are not here. Tyler Smith. You guys miss Tyler? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, what's Tyler doing? Well, he and his wife Nancy had a baby, so they're mm, home yeah. with a baby right now. So we're we're thankful Tyler if you're watching from home, buddy. We're so thankful to you guys. And let me tell you about Tyler. Tyler has got the gift of encouragement. I, I, I appreciate so many well timed uh, texts or emails or pats in the back from Tyler. Tyler, we miss you, buddy. We are so thankful for you. Also, Derek Hastings. We've got a yeah. good friend. That's a great friend. that was my old name, so I'm sticking uh, with it. Uh, we have new to the team Daniel O'Connell. He's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> we met Amanda earlier. It's great. And last but not least, our great, amazing human being, so talented, loving person, our media director, who also can sing like Adele. We found out a few weeks ago. Brooke Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we, especially those of you at home, that you know, you wouldn't be able to participate in this if it wasn't for that team. They're behind the scenes and you know, it's just important to highlight those that serve and give, and I'm just so thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, well, you're new here today. My name is Joel, and I am honored to be the Care and Connections pastor here at Love Chapel Hill. And uh, I, if I don't know you or we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I want to say open invitation. Let's go get coffee. Let's hang out. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. Work. If you have questions, you don't know Jesus, and you have a place of uh, learning to understand what that actually means. Let's have that conversation. But That's what I'm here for, and, uh, but I'm also honored today to bring the message today. Uh, but y'all, let's invite Jesus into this space. Lord Jesus, we thank you so, so much for your love for us, Lord, for each person that walked into this door, Lord, no matter where they came from, what they've experienced, Lord, we're thankful for you loving them and bringing them into this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this area, Lord, that you open the ears and hearts of people here, Lord, to hear what you have to say, Lord. you got my words to say what you want to say to Jesus. Lord, it's about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who are we? Right? We've been in this series. Uh, I feel like it's a little obligation. We're week four or halfway between the series here, kind of catching us up. but. We've been in this series. It is great, especially uh, if you're newer with Love Chapel Hill, to hear what Love Chapel Hill is all about, and also to hear how Jesus wants you to be, how you want, how He wants you to follow Him. In these marks that we have been walking through the last few weeks, in the last three weeks, we've been blessed by Pastor Justin and Caleb Maxson, and last week Elena Parrish. We're so thankful for what they brought. We've learned about intentional incarnation. Is specifically being here on Franklin Street, in the Varsity Theater, in locations like Coker Arboretum, specifically to meet and love the needs of those that abide in this space. Just as Jesus came down and humbled himself to be with us, we follow in his footsteps and we enter those spaces to bring the love of Jesus to those that are most in need in this space. And then Elena last week did such a great job. It we appreciate Elena. right? Let's give her a, a hand close. clap say, Hi, Elena. I know she's she up did such a great job last week uh, telling us about the reckless love of that. that no matter where you are or what you've done, the Father is open arms, ready and willing to accept you and take you in. So beautiful. So beautiful. And in the next couple of weeks, we've got Sam Schmidt coming up, bringing us Optimistic Grace. And then to the, uh, the end of the series here in great fashion is the amazing Valerie Burgard with Radical oh, yes. Hospitality. So things to look forward to, and I hope you're able to come and enjoy those and learn from them. But more importantly, I want to say this before we get going. Next Sunday, if you come here, you might be a little lonely. <laughs> we are going to be with our friends, our BFFs, Life Church next Sunday at their farm. You can find the address at lovechapelhill.com Sunday. That's right here in Chapel Hill. But this is a great opportunity to spend some time together. We're going to worship together. We're going to have a meal together. These are our friends, and we're going to be with them and worship with them with an the intention of being in unity. As Pastor Mark gave that great message a few weeks ago when Life Church came with us, to intentionally be in a space to grow together and to get to know each other. I want to challenge you, if you come, if you're able to come, I want to challenge you to make a new friend. Learn something new about somebody that you do not know. Then, next time when we come back together again, you already have a friend to sit with. And we start seeing the lines blur in our fellowships of believers and coming together in that great space. That's that's your challenge next week. Today, Today, we're talking about generous, or courageous generosity. Now, I can understand you're seeing that word, generous, and you may have walked into a church or heard um, uh, many uh, public figures, maybe public leaders in churches have used generosity in a place of conviction, commandment, or a place of abuse and forcing people to give and that is not of the heart of Jesus. And so I understand if you hear this word and you're thinking, oh, this is, this is this church's money talk. I can understand if you have those feelings. Because oftentimes I have felt them too. It is communicated very often. But I hope you find some hope today that actually a money talk is just an... A charitable investment. An opportunity presented to give so that you can receive something else. But no, generosity comes from the heart. It's understanding that we live in His abundance, in God's abundance, and He leads us to trust Him. The generosity is a presentation of the gospel. So this is not a money talk. This is a gospel invitation today. Generosity is giving of oneself. For the sake of others. Sound a little familiar, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. That giving is about sharing or surrendering the gifts we have been given. In service for the kingdom of God. These gifts do not just include finances, but they are also our talents. Our time. Our investment. Our things that we pay attention to. So giving of these gifts with no strings attached. With a heart of love for others outside of ourselves is generosity. But these gifts that God has given us are the, for those in need, giving wisely but with the heart of generosity, which is a place without fear of loss of resources, but an outwards towards what matters most, loving others with the heart of Jesus. I don't know if you heard this before, but Jesus was kind of smart. <laughs> smart guy. Love Jesus. He knew. Sometimes he would speak in these parables that make you scratch your head you have to dig deeper. Or he had these little sayings and he wouldn't say directly what he means and he would teach as he went. But once, sometimes he would just say it. He would just say in Matthew chapter 6. We have this little gold nugget, a treasure that Jesus provided for us to understand ourselves. And he says in Matthew 6.21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also pretty simple. Jesus is simply illustrating that where our priorities are, where we spend our time, our resources, our funds, the things that become the most important to us. These are demonstrated through our desires, our loves, our passions, and our commitments. That our treasure is presented from an inside part of us, our heart. So what we express outwardly comes inwardly from our hearts, Jesus is wise. So this is how we can evaluate ourselves, this is what Jesus is saying, how we can evaluate what is most important to us, where are we spending our resources, where are we spending our time, where are we spending our funds, even, even if it's very little, where is that going? What is most important? For this very reason is why we need to talk about generosity, especially in our society today. We live in a society, and it's not like other times in history, but we do live in a society right now that is highly individualistic. There's a recent Hofstede report that ranked the United States as the most individualistic society in all of the world, and it didn't even come close to anybody else. The problem with the individualistic society is that it hinders generosity. We are more concerned about doing what's best for ourselves or what's best and most important to me, those around me, than seeing the world as a whole or seeing each other as a whole. And Now, with a a, a highly individualist society does come a lot of wealth and a lot of success. We have the best technology. We have bigger homes. We have the best entertainment options. Everything is bigger, better, and it's coming fast. But on the other side of that, and this is the part where the gospel treads against the stream, is that we measure ourselves on our accomplishments, not just where what we are doing, but where our places in society. Let me give you an example. When's the last time, maybe the last, somebody asked you, "Can you describe yourself?" Or maybe you've asked somebody else, "Can you describe yourself?" And I'm not saying it happens every time, but a lot of times people will jump to, you know, adding their LinkedIn profile. Oh, this is what I've done. This is what I do. This is my career. This is where my place is in my learning at school. Or, and these are my ambitions. This is what I'm going to do. Instead of going to places of what are your loves and your passions, what brings you the most joy. We feel like we have to express our place in society by our accomplishments. And in that, it creates a place of competition. And when we don't see it or, or, or know about it or not, when we meet somebody possibly in a similar field or a similar uh, uh, arena of what we are achieving for and we hear that they're in a certain position and we, ju- we judge our own ourselves It's like, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Or maybe we're even judging ourselves or amongst others in the sense of, am I in a certain place in life Am I meeting the expectations I have in society and on myself? And if I'm not, I'm somehow I'm a failure. Instead the understanding of where we are, now, where we are present in our lives. This also pushes for a space for disparities. Maybe the most uh, anti-generosity way of thinking is the myth of the American dream. Forgive me if I feel like I'm rubbing against something that's precious. I understand that. Because we live in this world, this is our society. But the myth of the American dream is that prosperity is somehow at the fingertips of everyone. That if we work hard enough, if we try hard enough, that somehow we will meet that. So when we meet somebody that we view that has not reached that, or they look like they're lower than us, oftentimes we have the excuse of, well, I'm not sure why that's for them. They must have failed because I was going to do it. Or maybe even have the excuse or the apathy of like, well, I can't help them. Because they have the opportunities just like I do to make it out of where they are. This measurement of this individual society creates these disparities amongst us in class and status. The generosity goes against that flow, leading to a new culture, and there's hope. I know they all might have sounded a little down, but there is hope. And that is Jesus. That is God. From the very, very beginning of creation, God's generosity was expressed in creating this world and this universe for his most loved creation, humanity. God was the host, and we were his most loved guest. Now, humanity, given with the the gift of free will for choice, chose the wrong choice. We live in that world where humanity wanted to find equality with God and that sin they fell. And in that fall, creation came with it. But, generosity wasn't done. And that's when Jesus came. Jesus, who came and humbled himself, came to this world and came to a place of poverty. And he had a crazy message. He had a radical message of generosity that looked like telling people to sell everything they have to give to the poor and trust in their, own, trust their lives would be fine. Jesus spoke from a place that there was this abundance that was around everyone that somehow we would be provided for. If only we trusted in God. This mindset of abundance creates a space for us to live without fear of loss of our possessions or resources as He is all we need. Jesus, now hear this, Jesus' teachings were not anti-wealth. They were pro-generosity. He was leading people to a place, a position in our heart where our treasures, where our treasures are pointing towards things of him, the things that matter most to him, and that is each other, that is us. That is his most prized creation. This is what leads to a generous heart. But courageous generosity breaks the lie that we live in a world that there is not enough resources. That we must protect what we have as if God will not, that God will provide. That each of us can be a place of where we are, not in competition with another, or what we give is not value, valued any different from when it comes from the heart. There's a great story here. Oh, actually, before, I want to say this before we get to the story. And I understand in this room there are many people here. They have different levels of what we would consider wealth and resources. I want you to hear that there's no conviction for you. No matter where you are, there's no judgment. That the point of generosity is it comes from the heart, not the amount that's in our pockets. So there's something here for all to learn. And there's a great story Paul expresses. Paul expresses in the Second Corinthians 8 and 9. And to give a little backstory here before we get to this amazing letter that he writes... Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth is actually a wealthy area. It is a seaport. It is a place where wealth was known. They had a lot of resources. The church would have had a lot of resources. So he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth because several chapters before in, in 2 Corinthians, there was this story of the church in Jerusalem. So the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where the launching of the Christian church came. This is the place where Jesus died. He rose again, ascended to the Father, and sent out his church in Acts chapter 2, which many of us in the story have read our Bible study on Tuesdays uh, over the years. In Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church is birthed here is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down and the church is built out. But the beauty of that, that verse, that, that we, we get, we get it, it rightfully so very focused on the part of the Holy Spirit coming down and transforming lives. But the end of chapter 2, there's a beautiful picture of the church and how it started. The very early essence of the Christian church is a place where people would live together and they would share with each other whatever needs it would be. If you needed food, I had it, and here it's yours. If you need a drink, I have it, here is yours. If you need a coat, I have it. Here is yours, this shared community of needs and generosity from the very beginning. So Paul hears of the church in Jerusalem. It's been a couple decades since the launch of the church. He hears that the church in Jerusalem is coming under great poverty through famine and war. They're in a position of need. So he goes on a fundraising tour. So Paul has been going out and teaching and leading and planting new churches through the Greek and Roman world. And so he reaches out to his friends. He reaches out to these churches and he says, hey, guys, our friends in Jerusalem, they're hurting. They're hurting. Can we help? Can we provide something? And he had a plan. He said, we're going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to come meet all of you. And if you're in this, this is, this is voluntary, if you're in this, I'm going to come and we'll collect the resources. I'm going to take a leader from each one of you, your churches, and we're all going to go together and we're going to present this as a gift of generosity to the church in Jerusalem. Okay, so this is, this is the setting of the story. But Paul, along the way, hears that the church in Corinth, somewhere along the way, has either forgotten about, they had agreed to do this, they either forgotten that they were going to do this or it wasn't a priority. Either way, they, he had heard that they had stopped gathering or hadn't even started gathering funds to give, and they had said they would. So what does Paul do? And this is important. Is Sometimes it's not necessary that what he says is some things he doesn't say. And in this moment, Paul writes this letter, and we're about to read it, but I want you to hear this, that he comes from a position of teaching and encouraging instead of conviction and command or coercing. He could have done any of those things. He started the church. He could have said, "Hey guys, come on. You said you'd do it, let's do it." Or guilt them or convict them, but no. This is what Paul does. He tells them a story. 2 Corinthians 8, we we'll read chapter or verses 1 through 5. It says, "We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. A begging, begging us to earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul uses this story to demonstrate courageous generosity. So he introduces this church in Macedonia, okay? In verse 2, he expresses the church in Macedonia as a place of poverty themselves, a place of great affliction, extreme poverty, he used those words. These are the, these are the poor people. Paul is writing to the rich people, the people in Corinth, about the people the poor people in Macedonia. You can read more of their story in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, but this church in Macedonia, who had very little, gave. They didn't just give a portion. They gave above their means. So Paul uses this story to teach them, to encourage them, that in that place of poverty, what was the reason why they did that? Why did this, why did the poor people give? Paul says it right here in in verse 1. He says, because of the grace, the grace of God. Remember, this is a story of the gospel. This is a story of grace, not of money. Paul expresses in verse 5, they gave to the Lord first and then to them. What he is saying is that they recommitted their lives because of the grace of God in their lives, that they were transformed. This grace that was given to them by Jesus Christ their Savior, that they had learned that their sins had been forgiven, their lives had been radically changed, and in that change, they saw the gift of others more important than what they had. They wanted to be a part of the gift. And in that grace, because of that grace, they gave everything. This was generosity. It allows them to think outwards instead of inwards, that they see others' needs as importance than necessarily their needs. And most importantly, they gave from a position to understanding that the abundance of God's provision is available to them. And that's how they were able to give, courageously generous. This gift to the Jerusalem church was poor to the poor. But they did it with joy and gladness. They did it because they, they were excited to be a part of the gift. For them, the benefit was the gift of being the giver, not of any other reward. And in this, they express that grace, that generosity is giving resources that we have, that they had, even if it meant losing something of their own. It was a gift to do so. We can learn a lot about this. This is a story of demonstrating God's economy, a backwards way of looking at finances, a backwards way of looking at our resources. That those who had wealth struggled with generosity just as much as those who had very little who were changed by Jesus gave well beyond their means. In this, poverty does not equal being poor. Paul is teaching here that just because you're wealthy does not mean you have riches, that you have wealth. That you can have money with the risk of being poor in spirit or you can have no money or resources, and have the opportunity for spiritual wealth. This is generosity. The gospel is open-handed and ready for all. Grace is available to everyone, willing to give no matter the cost, because God is enough. According to Paul here, he sees a poor person and calls them rich. That doesn't make sense, right? But Paul still believes in in the church in Corinth. And this is important. His approach here is so important. There's still love and grace and generosity provided to them as well. He just knows they have room to grow. In verse 7, he says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in these acts of grace also. So Paul is teaching them, and us today, that even though they, they were doing well, he's encouraging Like, hey, you, you've been learning a lot. You've been growing a lot. You've been learning what it is to follow Jesus. You have been speaking well. You've been teaching others well. He's encouraging. Those are, those are great. But there is room to grow. And it is in a very, very important part to grow in. And that is the grace of God and understanding what God has done in their lives and allow that transformation to measure out and to express their treasure out to others. This is just a place of growth. And I encourage you today, maybe that's you, and you feel like this is a place of growth, that's okay. No conviction. It's just a place of growth. It is available to you to grow in that area. As we follow Jesus in many ways, but we can understand that grace is important to us too. That the grace of God that has changed us continue to move and, and grow within us to help others, to grow in generosity. But Paul is not scolding them, but he's creating a reminder of what they're doing In following Jesus and what is most important let me tell you this Jesus understands the world we live in in the pressure to thrive and to excel to be the best but he also wants to work in our hearts to grow in generosity to see the world as he sees it a place that is not just in a state of chaos and pain and suffering but a place where we as followers of Jesus can be a light into the darkness, providing for those who have needs to give them grace. We can do this by giving of our talents to those that they benefit most. We can give of our time to help people in need who need hope in Jesus. We can give our resources to those in need. Again, this is not a command to be generous, but a gift. It's a gift to grow in. If you didn't hear anything before now, I want you to hear this verse. Paul puts the stamp of greatness right here on this letter. In verses 8 and 9, he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for the sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. I want to read first 9 again. And those of you who have been in the story the last couple of weeks, I want to see if you pick up on this, what he is expressing here. He says, For you know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he's up here, for his sake he became poor. And though he was poor, he brought through his poverty, could make us rich. Recognize that? What Paul is doing here, he's presenting the gospel in financial terms, and always, and always will be, because of the cross, because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I was talking about for those of you that didn't that were catching the inside part, and, I, and I, I believe many of you have been to the story or heard Pastor Matt teach for many years about the great reversal. Let's talk about that for a moment. This is, I'm, I was kind of excited to get to this point of the message here. Yes, yes. So there's two stories. There's one story of God's creation. His gener- there's two stories of generosity. God's generosity where he created us in this beautiful creation. And God at the top with man at his creation. But humanity decided it wanted to be equal with God. To elevate themselves on their own terms. And in that sin broke the world. And in that breaking, we fell. We have the upside-down V. I believe it's, oh, there you go. Upside-down V. The next moment of generosity changed the world. Because of the love of Jesus, because of his generosity, the V turns upside-down. This is what Paul is describing here. God, who was rich, Jesus in his love humbled himself down to us down to zero, down to the bottom. But even more so than just where we live, but he came down to the point of the cross where he took our sins upon himself, all the wrongdoings that ever been done, all the wrongdoings that ever will be, on himself, in that moment, paid that price for us, came down to the lowest of lows to the point of death. But good news. The generosity was so much stronger that death could not hold him and he rose again. And in that rising, he takes us back up to the top in his riches. This is what Paul is describing here. He's describing gospel math, okay? Gospel math doesn't make sense in our world. But that Jesus plus humility equals courageous generosity. You hear that? And Jesus in his humility coming down to nothing. We can follow him and come down to nothing in that, that's where our riches are. This is what the church of Macedonia had discovered and figured out because of the grace of God, because of the cross, we can enter him. Paul teaches that this to the, to the church of Corinthians, that the essential part of following Jesus is humbling ourselves in generosity. That forgiveness of wrongs equals generosity. Providing kindness instead of vengeance is generous. Taking a step back so others can succeed. Is generous, and if you forgive me for a second, I feel I need to talk about this part. In a highly individualistic society, one of the most powerful ways we can be generous is oftentimes taking a seat so somebody else can stand up. Oftentimes, it's letting somebody else pass us in line. And forgive me if this feels a little. Challenging for you, it's not my intent, but I hope you feel encouraged by it. That if you find yourself in a position of power over anyone, no matter what level it is, if you're over someone, whether it's because of who you are, what you've earned and what you work for, or maybe it's because of what you look like or your gender, you have the greatest blessing. Hear this, you have the greatest blessing. To be generous is a gift to give to allow somebody to step above you that may not have had that chance. Can you imagine a world that's like that? Can you imagine that? This is what Jesus is trying to tell us. This is the cross. This is the message of the cross. The giving of those in need with hands open in a position of generosity. A little more math for you here. I think you'll like this one. If that didn't make sense to you, if that looked funny, it felt funny, felt wrong, it's because societal subtractions equal kingdom additions. I'm going to say that again. Societal subtractions. These are the things, if we're giving of ourselves, giving of resources that may help us get ahead so that somebody else can come with us, doesn't make sense. It's a subtraction in our society. But in that, because of the great generosity of Jesus Christ, that is a, God, a kingdom addition. We add back into the kingdom. We add back into each other. We, we express the grace of God to others. Those who are hurting and those who are in need see somebody help them, love them, with no strings attached. You imagine, it's not just the item that was given, but it was the heart that was given behind it. Something they don't think they deserved, but yet was offered freely to them. Just like Jesus did for us. Powerful. But Paul... He's not done with the Corinthians. He's just inviting them to grow in generosity. Maybe for you, today is your invitation. And I understand, there's a lot of people here that are so generous. I love that. I see it, I serve with you. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your hearts. I see it expressed constantly. So I know I'm preaching to the choir in many ways in this room. But if there is something in you and you feel like this is a place of growth, don't feel guilted. don't feel coerced or feel commanded. This is an opportunity for growth. And today's your invitation. Today you are invited in, and I hope you hear that, and I hope you feel that. This is a place of growth. No matter where it is, if it if it's starting small and growing from there, that's fine. If it's getting over uh, fears, give that to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit guide and grow within you in that. But it is a place of growth, and that's okay. Start where you are. We have to well, walk before we run, but we do it with Jesus. He is with you. To trust in God that He will provide for you as you help others, I know it's a big leap. But it is a growth pattern, and it will change you, just as we saw in the church in Macedonia. And I understand you might have questions. Okay, I want to give. I want to be generous. But what do I give? There's a lot of—we uh, don't have time today to talk about tithes and, and such, but I do want to hear this because Paul's not done here. He's talking some more here, and he's going to help us out. In, verse, uh, in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, he's still writing to the Corinthians. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decides, and in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul is saying here, the amount of generosity is to give uh, is that we give is also how we see the grace of God expelled. So it's not a give so I can receive more. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying the more we give, the more the grace of God we see in and around our lives. If I give to someone in need, I have the gift to seeing what that does, how that transformation. That's, that's what he's saying. The more we do this, the more we see the grace of God. And the less we do, the less we will see. And so that is up to us and how much we want to experience that in that generosity. And that the amount, again, we're coming back to, he's, he's repeating what Jesus is saying, the heart of where our treasure is. He's saying, seek your heart. What feels good? Where are you at growing wise? Where, where are you at in the point of generosity and feeling good about the situation? You see the need. You see the place you can serve. You see the place, the talent that you can provide. And search your heart. and That's what he's saying. Search your heart. It's not about a dollar amount. It's not about a specific amount of time. It's about what you are growing in your heart. And he does a challenge you to continue to grow in that. But don't feel pressure in that. I think there's a lot of pressure put on us to do, to give well and beyond constantly. Sometimes it just follow the heart. Follow the heart where it goes. And that's what Paul's encouraging. Because courageous generosity means that we give both wisely and freely discerning what to say yes to and then giving without strings so once we give open hand position once we give we put our hands out it's out we're not putting it back we're not hesitating we're giving out and it's gone we give freely no strings that's generosity ways we can be courageously generous is simply look around the holy spirit will point out the needs you will see them and in those spaces sometimes look for places you can serve there's many places in this community. Those of you who are local here in Chapel Hill, there's many places, and I know many are in Durham. There's many places that need help. Serve your time. And I'm so thankful for all of you that serve here at Love Chapel Hill. There's always opportunities, again, to serve and grow as well here. There's a space of giving of talents, and I think sometimes it's not thought of much in generosity, but giving of our talents. We live in a very highly educated community. Recently, I felt a challenge, and I'm presenting you a very specific challenge today because I felt the Holy Spirit for this specific message to express this. I don't know who needs to hear this. Maybe it's many. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I'm going to express it. A few weeks ago, I was on, or last week, I was honored to go to the state of Chapel Hill presented by the Chamber of Commerce, and they present a lot of data and a lot of great things that Chapel Hill's awesome, and Orange County's doing great, and, you know, these are places to grow and learn, Sure. This is one thing that stuck out to me and I, I honestly it's the only thing i kind of remember and i'm going to challenge present this challenge to you as well as many of you know a pandemic has hit right and it changed things especially our school systems i know we have many teachers in here that can express that that many children are not meeting re, re, uh, reading grade requirements to be successful They've significantly dropped because of the interruption in education over the last couple of years. Now our teachers do an amazing job trying to catch that up. But in a place of schools, if you remember, if you when you were there, those of you who are not still there, I'm assuming everybody has graduated, but that is a place of great disparity amongst students. That if you get a little bit behind, they they just keep going. And next thing you know, you're 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 just too embarrassed to say anything in your struggle. In a place that that thrives in, that's just part of how it is, the system is set up. We had a pandemic that just made that worse, 10 times worse. Let me tell you some numbers. In Chapel Hill schools, and this is another thing I learned, that if a child can read up to grade level by grade three, the percentage is enormous of their success, graduation, college, self-esteem. And it's the opposite way if they haven't reached that where they feel like it's, it's over and they struggle for the rest of their lives. Currently, right now, Chapel Hill Schools are doing a great job, these amazing teachers. But there's, as of last year, end of 2021, children reading at, by, at grade level by grade three were only 63%. Let me tell you about Orange County. 39% of students can read at grade level of age three. If you can read today, here's the challenge. If you can read above grade level three, you've got an opportunity to change someone's life. Reach out, reach out to your local schools. Look for places to tutor. Help these children catch up. Imagine the change in their lives. Just the simple notion of helping them read. Courageous generosity. Again, I don't know who need to hear that. I wanted to present that to you today. Again, in the heart of that one, present some other things, which is going to be... It's going to be gonna be fun to express, but I want you to hear this. this is, I'm going to about tell you how Love Chapel Hill, over the last 13 years, has it, done its best to live courageously generous as well. This is our marks. This is who we are. I'm going to, bring, to present you some numbers and, and some actions that we've done, but I want you to hear this, and in all that, that... None of it happened without courageously, generously people like yourself. None of it happened. And those of you maybe at home who have moved, have graduated, and moved to other places that are watching, it didn't happen without you. So this is an act of us as a community of believers and the church as an organization presenting these things to change our community. So since 2016, Love Chapel Hill has given just north of $279,000 outside of Love Chapel Hill. This means it's not staff salaries. This is not, yeah. is not staff salaries. This is not the microphones. This is not the equipment. It's not the rent for the building. This is outside of Love Chapel Hill. That's a lot. And this is what those, that money went to, to support construction for the IFC Men's Community House shelter here in Chapel Hill. And the IFC Food First in Carborough to provide meals for those in need. Provide shelter when it's cold, they have none. Given over $20,000 directly to start 10 new churches here in North Carolina and, and other. Places just like here to present the gospel and love of Jesus to those who do not know him. To build communities of believers in action to love and care for those in need. I see a couple church planning friends with me today. Daniel and Sheree, I'm sorry, this is on the moment, but I'll pray for you guys. Lord, we're so thankful for the church planners that go into spaces that just like you sent Matt and Justin 13 years ago to this location. And I don't know what Daniel and Sheree are thinking right now, but Lord, if they're looking at churches like this and see the community can thrive and grow for this long, Lord, that they... They want that too. They want to do that in Durham. They want to do that in downtown Durham, God, and be a special location reaching those people there. God, we pray for those people right now. Lord, you continue to work in Daniel and Sheree and their location at Pioneers. But Lord, the community around them, Lord, that those that need hope and understanding of your generous love, that you came down to humble themselves for them and died for them so that they can be rich in you. God, I pray, Lord, that you can work, continue to work in their hearts, Lord. God strengthened Daniel and Sheree as they lead this amazing, amazing community. Lord, thank you, Lord. Sorry, I just I saw you, Daniel. And I see, sorry, I see Sheree in the back now. I wanted to bless you guys. But Love Chapel Hill has been able to help plant these churches, Pioneers Churches in Durham. We're helping supporting them. And we're so thankful to do so. We've also been able to support for ongoing long-term missions missionaries in Cambodia. Sierra Leone, Ecuador, Kenya, South Africa, and Turkey. We've also been able to support short-term missions to the Ukraine. Recently, our friends Ron and Jean just went over there, and they blessed people there with their knowledge of health care to help those that have been injured and wounded in war. Those who have lost their homes, they've been bombed. They saw that firsthand. We were able to support them, and they did the work. We were, we were thankful to support them in that and other other areas of Southeast Asia and Uganda. Over $25,000 to community organizations like Table, who provide food for food-insecure families, IFC, and local business partners working to build a better future for our community, serving people who are most marginalized. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. The church in Macedonia didn't need to reinvent the wheel. They just needed to give out of grace to love others, those in need, During the height of COVID, in that area where everything was shut down, I remember walking on Franklin Street on a Sunday morning, standing in the middle of the road, not a car in sight. 11, 12 o'clock. We walk out here today, it will not look like that. But you know who was here? When we were, many of us were in our homes, not knowing what was happening in fear, But staying safe, there was many and many of you in here today who didn't have a home, didn't know where to go, and everybody left. Everybody left. We were thankful. We couldn't do much, but we were thankful. We were trying to do it as safely and best as we could. But here on Sunday mornings providing meals and fellowship with masks and distance is what we needed to do at that time. But we were trying to love those in those spaces. Also able to help provide meals and encouragement for those in health care that were on the front lines during the early part before vaccines were available when the most deaths were happening, the most confusion. And also been able to provide $30,000 in essential transportation needs for people who need a way to work, job interviews, educational opportunities, and medical needs across the triangle around $45,000 to meet real day-to-day needs, tangible needs for individuals struggling to keep their lights on or heat during the winter. Shoes, uniforms for due jobs, bicycles for transportation to work, housing applications, utility connections, moving expenses for anyone who had a need, paying for funeral or burial costs for families without means to do so. In 2022 alone this year, We've had over 25 individuals who have found needs met and doors opened where no resources were available to help meet the specific needs of housing and job-related needs. These are people not in our congregation. Not included is the big number. Not included that big old number is 100-plus hours of free meeting space provided to local government and community organizations for trainings, meetings, and retreats at the Foundry, the building we've been blessed to care for we also be able to fr- provide free transportation using the Love Bus. Where's Ben? Ben's right here, man. He's our, one of our drivers, man. They brought, yes. Andrew's at home. Hopefully, he and his wife are having a baby soon. Can give the, I, I don't have any news, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, they provide transportation here on Sundays. But have you ever seen a Love Bus riding around on a Wednesday and wondered who's doing that? We partner with the UNC Center for Excellence in Community Mental Health. That for thousands of hours of, that provide thousands of hours of horticultural therapy, from farm to table education and more for local adults with severe and persistent mental illness. They're taking the bus every week and bringing people to these locations. Love Chapel Hill has been living out its best. We're not perfect. We have areas to grow as well. I don't hear, please don't hear our pride in that. It's just areas of growth as well. We're trying our best to live just as the church did in Acts chapter 2 at the very beginning. If you need a drink, I got a drink. If you need a car, I got a car. If you need a ride, we have a ride. If you need a babysitter, we can do that too. And the challenge today and the invitation is even as though we are so generous we be able to do so, it doesn't stop because of the grace of God in our lives and we will continue. And I hope this message is, is encouraging to you today to continue to do so. And as you do, you're doing it because of Jesus' love in you, for what he's done for you and changed you, that this church will continue to be courageously generous because of each one of you. We uh, have the honor every Sunday we, we, we join in at the table. And we're able to take this bread and this cup we celebrate what jesus did we celebrate the breaking of his body in this act of grace and generosity that changed us all i don't know how each one of you came here today or the reason but i believe that it's because jesus is doing something in your life or he has done something and we do this to celebrate what he did that lowest of lows coming down to that poverty Because in this, because this happened, we can become rich with him. Just the same as the blood he shed that represented this cup. That we will celebrate today of his giving of that blood so that our sins, our wrongdoings, can be forgiven. Forgive, give generosity. So generous. And today we will celebrate this. We'll celebrate this together going to come down. Sarah's going to guide us with the lightsaber here. Yes. Bring a Star Wars in. Yes. Sarah will guide us down the rows. You come down and Anna and Tiana are going to serve you. And one of them's going to provide for you a piece of the bread. You take that bread and you're going to dip it into the cup. And as you do so, I want you to think about the generosity of Jesus, the grace of God that is in your life. And what you leave here today, in that memory, go out today. Open hands. See the needs. Provide the need. Grow in it, no matter where you start or where you come from. Giving is courageous generosity is available to you.